Daddy car goes vroom, vroom, fast, fast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, guys. Welcome to Overanalyzed. And uh, I wanted to bring up a little piece of follow-up before we get into the main topic today. So I don't know if you saw this, June, but the $35,000 Tesla is now available. Oh, no, I didn't. That's interesting. Yeah, my buddy, my buddy texted me saying, hey, I think the Tesla stock is going to take off. I said, oh, really? Why? He's like, the $35,000 car is available. I was like, oh, wow. So he has a reservation, but he's thinking it's not the time for him. I think he's going to pull out. So ready for for an actual order? That's right. And apparently the way they're getting down the price is by getting rid of most of the retail presence. So all orders will be made online now. And all orders will have a 1,000-mile seven-day return policy. Pretty good. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, he was saying that you could go on a whole trip. Uh, and then return it and be free. <laughs> I've heard so many like crazy stories about how terrible the actual operations of Tesla is in terms of like the paperwork. Oh, yeah. And like like one of my buddies um, from work, he ordered one recently, and he so first of all like they completely screwed up, got him a car that was not what he wanted. Right? He was like, "This is not what I w- wanted." So they were like, then they were like, oh crap, sorry, sorry, sorry. And then they go look around and then they find that the next best, the car that he actually wants is only in Florida. Like the closest one is in Florida. So they're like, all right, mm-hmm. we're going to, we'll drive it up, you know, no problem, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, I'm not letting you drive my car. Like you've already like failed miserably. And he, ha- he has, you know, already had bad experiences and stuff. So he flew down, bought a one-way ticket to Florida and drove his oh, Model wow. 3 all the way back up to Maryland, to Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> what a and, guy. Uh, yeah, I was like, wow, what a way to test out, you know, uh, like um, autopilot. and, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Yeah, he said, um, he said he thinks like about 80% of his drive was on autopilot. It's like, oh, that's pretty sweet. That's pretty neat. So I'll have to link in the show notes to the uh, Accidental Tech Podcast episode where Marco talks about his woes with the uh, yeah. lease renewal and all yes. that stuff. Yes. Yeah. That and getting parts, like MKBHD, his, I mean, he went to a shop that had all the parts necessary for his Tesla to be fixed, and it still took like months to get fixed and get back to him. And if they didn't have the parts, it had been on probably like half a year, you know, something crazy. Yeah, he was saying that. So I can, I can link that in the show notes as well. Yeah. Well, this buddy of mine too. So after he drove his car back up, right, he was like signing, um, finishing up some paperwork they mailed him the paperwork of like, you know, all the signatures and everything. And he immediately notices like page one, the VIN number that they put on the paper and on all like a bunch of subsequent pieces of, you know, sheets of paper were all wrong. It was not the VIN number of the car that he actually got. So it was just like, uh, there was just so much like incompetency in getting these, just getting paperwork done. Right. And uh, anyways, that sounds like a total kerfuffle. Well, luckily, we'll be talking about driving today, so that kind of fits right in. This is a topic that came from listener Mark. He said, y'all should talk about driving. I know, I don't know if all of our listeners are drivers out there, but Alec and I like to drive, and it's one of those interesting things that we may not be able to do in the in the not-so-distant future, and, or, you know, yeah, I hope maybe so. not be able to do, but just, <laughs> you know, it may not be economical to do, or it may be cost-prohibitive, or doesn't make sense, right? Once autonomous driving and all these things get... All the autos are going to assume control. Yeah, which to me will be a bittersweet day, but, you know, I do like to drive. I guess, uh, what do you want to talk about driving, Alec? Well, I guess we can kind of just go through the list here. Talk about pet peeves, habits, mantras, stereotypes, all those kind of things. Yeah. So what pet peeves you got? Well, as a city driver, it really bugs me when people block the box. And I I mean, I've been guilty. I'll be fair. I'll say I've been guilty. I've, I've blocked the box before. But nothing feels worse than when you're blocking the box. I feel like it's the most demoralizing moment of anyone's life. <laughs> and ever since... 
I became very cognizant of it. I'm very proactive towards not getting in positions where that can happen. Yeah, it, it, it is such an awkward feeling. You, you feel like everybody's staring at you in an intersection. People are honking at you. You feel like you're the most hated person right now in the world. When you're just you like probably that, are. <laughs> when you're just that a-hole sitting right in the middle of the intersection. <laughs> you're blocking yeah. traffic. Uh, yeah. I've been there. Yeah. The worst part is when it happens, when the light just turns... The cars are too tight. You don't know this is going to realize it's going to stop there. And you have like 20 seconds where you're there and you're like, surely we're going to creep up. And you don't. And then you don't. <laughs> that, that's, that is the one that hurts the most because you feel like you didn't even do anything wrong, really. Yeah, yeah. You just got a little overzealous. You were like, I thought I could have scooted up by now. Yeah, there's no way the traffic moved this little in that amount of time. I would say that's probably my number one pet peeve. I also don't like when people kind of goes in that lane, but like when they just abruptly stop in a lane and then you get stuck behind them and like all the cars behind you are able to swoop out and then your opportunity never comes because there's not enough time. They have more time to react. Yep. Yep. So that's a, that's always a big bummer. That's, that's a skill by the way. When I was in New York city two weekends ago, there was definitely a lot of that, right? When you're driving in New York City, I mean, that's what it is. People are stopping left and right on the side streets. So if you don't want to get stuck behind a car, you have to react instantaneously. You have to sort of predict, like, is this car trying to hunt for parking? Is he, like, looking for a good place to stop? And if so, you do not stay behind that car. The weaving in and out in those situations, oh, yeah, dude, that's so, so critical. Especially, and then, and then you, there's always this awkward, like, let's say a two lane road where there's no dedicated left turn lanes, right? So you're like, all right, do I stay in the left lane? If I stay in the left lane, I may get stuck behind a guy waiting at a, you know, the guy right in front of me might all of a sudden stop because he wants to turn left and there's traffic, oncoming traffic. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you're stuck that way. But then if you stay on the right side, a lot of times it's slower. Or if you're in the case in DC, you drive in DC, a lot of times on the weekends, the right lane can be used for parking, like street parking. So cars are just stopped on the side. And you're like, shit, there's a car right in front of me, I, you know, parked in front of me. So it's, oh man, those are the worst. Yeah, those are those are classic scenarios. What about you, June? Do you have any other pet peeves? Uh, I gotta say eating in my car. That's a big one. Uh, Carolina has learned that <laughs> over the years. <laughs> so you, you don't allow it whatsoever? Nope. Not even like, I mean... The only thing I will allow is maybe if I have a kid that will not calm down at all or some, for some reason, you know, if I got to give Gabe some goldfish, fine. Like if it prevents him. Point. Yeah, I know, but I'd rather <laughs> not. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, sure. I don't eat in my car voluntarily. It almost exclusively happens like if it's a road trip. And people are having some trail mix, popcorn, yeah, no, nope. whatever. I don't allow that. I'll, I I understand why you wouldn't allow it, and I will say it's probably not number one on my list. I would never initialize it myself. However, it's so few and far in between. I allow it, and usually people are pretty good about it and don't get a, make a mess in the car. I feel like at least if I ever eat in a car, someone grants me that permission. I try to be very cognizant of taking small handfuls and and not allowing for messes see i would never even eat in anybody else's car but i say that but i wonder if that's different because i think the whole reason why i don't like people eating in my car is is sort of two reasons one is you never know what they're gonna eat my second car ever was a camry it was cloth seats right and one day we were like going for some road trip somewhere and someone just, I, after the road trip, I didn't notice until after the road trip, right? Until like one day I opened the back seat and I just see this giant black stain on my uh, back seat. And I was like, what the hell is this? It kind of looks like literal shit on my car seat, right? <laughs> and, and then I realized this is chocolate. This is melted chocolate. And oh, I'm the like, melted chocolate. And I was about to like uh. go kill someone. You know what I mean? Like on a cloth seat, no, like... There was no way I was taking that. I was days old. So I'll have to admit, I made a, a critical sin, my friend. I, when I go to the Greek grocery store, Prima, I usually get myself a chocolate treat they sell. And it's kind of like a Kit Kat. I opened it up in my car thinking, it's okay. It's just me. I'm in the park position. I'm going to eat this. 
That's my treat. I'm very hungry. I opened it up and it exploded. <laughs> it's hot. It's the summer. And the chocolate immediately starts to melt on the seat. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> I was trying to pick it up. You know, it's already on my pants. Everything. It's, it's just terrible. Right. And I, I get out of the car. And what do I notice? But like in the pores of the leather oh, is chocolate that's yeah. never is never gonna get out <laughs> <laughs> i know exactly what you mean uh, and i'm like no and i think to this day if you look you'll be able to tell where that exact spot was oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. man you might be able to scrub it out maybe you could scrub it out i learned my mistake and i'm not doing that one again I would think you would be able to feel the squishiness of whatever this piece of chocolate you'd have before you open it. And you would you would think like this thing's already like a puddle of liquid. Oh no no, it, it no, it was so hot in the car that when it hit the seat it started to melt. It oh. was it was a solid before. So when you say it exploded, I I can't I'm having a tr- tough time It's a brittle that. treat. Oh okay. So like when I opened it cuz it's like a Kit Kat but like more brittle. When I opened it, unfortunately, a piece fell off. It must have already been broken. Ah. You know? Yeah. It wasn't like I was ripping it apart. It must have already been broken. So when I opened it up, I wasn't careful. I wasn't slowly ripping. I, I ripped with a little bit of vigor and immediately fell. I see. Yeah. Yeah. See, this is exactly why. You never know. Even, <laughs> even if people with the best of intentions trying to be as careful as they can, no, nah, you just can't, you know, th- these things happen. And so... It takes one melted piece of chocolate to, like, ruin your interior, right? So, I do not allow it. I also have seen roaches in my old cars. Like, tiny little, tiny roaches. Old car, right? Not my current car. (laughs) I think if I found a roach in my car, I might have to just, like, immediately impound it. I don't know. (laughs) Burn the car. Burn it down. Oh, man. I feel like I'd have the heebie-jeebies for the rest of my rides. Oh, dude. And no longer be an oasis. I I was so terrified. that I I was like, I'm not going to work today, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's brutal. I, I don't do well around insects like that. Me neither. Yeah, it was tiny, and then it like quickly went away before I could like kill it. And then I just and then I just had this whole thought of you know when you see a spider or something, you can't help but start thinking like, good God, how many of these are there now, right now? Like hiding somewhere, you know? Like there could be a hundred of them, like underneath my seat. You know what I mean? Like just like. <laughs> Oh, don't like, do uh, this to me. Oh, yeah. We're moving on. Moving on. <laughs> oh, man. Now I feel like I have uh, creepy crawlies underneath my, my podcasting seat. But when you uh, leave food, when you leave crumbs, that's food for them. So It's an invitation. Yeah. So anyways, um, no eating in my car. Um, June, do you keep a car cup? The heck does that mean? Do I leave a yeah, cup I in think my it's car? An, I think it's an Alec innovation. I realized once it'd be great to always have a cup in the car. You can use it tactically. Whenever you're around, you can like fill up some water on a road trip. You can take it in when you need a cup. You're like, oh, I could use a cup right now. I keep a car cup. But that cup must be so nasty. You'd have to, do you clean I, it I don't often? know if it is. Oh, but it's sitting in there going through the sun and... Ugh. I feel like the sun's not an issue. I, I You know, if I use it, because I don't use it often. It's very infrequent use. I clean it afterwards. Like, how, how, how dirty could it get? You clean it, and then you immediately take it back to your car? Or how does that work? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't really see a need for it. Well, guess what? I recently lost my car cup, and it, it had a long history in my car. But I, I figured I'd send an email to the person, and sure enough, they have it. They have my car cup. So it's going to be returning to me in a couple of weeks. <laughs> so someone accidentally <laughs> took your car cup? No, I... I I was at the meeting offsite and I was like, you know what? I could really use some water. I'll go get my car cup and I'll fill it up with some water. Cause I was at like someone else, there's other person's office and there weren't any cups laying around, but there was a water fountain. And I was like, all right, I'll go get my car cup. And then I literally forgot it when I was grabbing my things. I like left it on the shelf and I just walked away and I said, Hey, there's this cup. You'll know it's mine because it doesn't sit quite flat because I dropped it once and it's slightly dented. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, he, he's going to get it back to me soon. Well, I, I don't have one. I may have to think about it, but I don't know. I, I don't see a use case where I'd find it useful. You know, honestly, it's it's in the way more often than it's uh, useful. Most of the time, I'll need two cups to be held in my holster, and then I'll have to move it into, like, the side door uh, cup holder. Yeah. Candidly, it does get in the way most of the time. 
It sounds like you have a lot of beverages in your car. I just don't drink much in my car. No, I don't. I really don't. I seldom have a beverage in my car. It's just like a utility. You know how you keep a pump in your car and maybe you keep uh, some emergency <laughs> gear? This cup is a part of my emergency gear. Yeah, you know, Jack, Jack, emergency Jack and car cup, same thing. Yeah, you really if you don't. you get stranded and it's raining, you can leave your car cup out and collect some water. Survival kit, basically, for Alec. Oh, man, the car cup. I'm, I'm curious if anyone's, if any listeners have a car cup, please let me know. I think it is pretty unique. I, I came up with it one day. I thought it was a good idea. And, um... I think it's very un- unusual. Yeah. Well, I okay. Other pet peeves, right? I do not like people who stop in merge lanes. Really pisses me off. Oh, how dare off. they? The either, zipper. Either that zipper. is. Yeah. Oh, either, man. <laughs> and especially if there's a dedicated merge lane, whether that's merging onto a highway or those dedicated right turns where there's always like 50 yards of a merge lane that they have time sure. to like turn right and then merge zipper in. But they don't. They all panic, yeah. and then they just sit there, and it's like, God, ah, I don't know, that frustrates me. I appreciate you bringing that one up, because that might be actually my number one pet peeve. In fact, I'll I'll, I'll not yell, but I'll spiritly say just like a there zipper, you know, um, when people aren't zippering. Yeah. And Rachel has even noticed. She's like, uh-oh, here yeah. we go. <laughs> now, now, here's a question, right? Because this is where I'm torn, between using the zipper and being, and not wanting to come off as an asshole, right? So... Here, you gotta be point. the asshole. You here, gotta be the yeah. asshole because it's the most efficient way. I think you know where you I'm gotta do at, it, right? All right, you're, you're you're on a two lane like road. Everybody can see that the right lane is about to be closed. Right? There is a big yep, left yep. arrow coming up with cones closing off the right lane. But everybody starts merging like a football field length, like before those signs. Yeah, way too soon. And then, do you want to be that? You know, and then you, you'll see occasionally some cars that just merge last minute over to the left the even when i look at those guys i know there's a logical reaction i have and then there's the emotional reaction i have the logical reaction is like yeah those guys are smart why not take advantage of using the space that's there on the right side instead of making this left side line even longer right and then Mm -hmm. you zipper in and I'm like, the guy's genius. I have no problem with that. My emotional side is the complete opposite. I think, I've been waiting in this freaking line for like 30 minutes, and like, this guy thinks he can cut right <laughs> over. Like, what an a-hole, you know? Well, June, I, I just have to tell you, I seldom am that guy mad about it. I'm usually taking advantage of the situation. Yeah, I know. Because <laughs> I, I know. I know it's the way to go. And I don't even care anymore, because I'm hoping that by me doing it, one other person's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm always going to be that guy, too. And before you know it, maybe we'll have a culture of that. Now, now, now I, I, <laughs> let, let me add a little bit of a curve, okay? So, you know the um, 695 exit going in the inbound, right? So, driving west, inbound, 695 exit. You know how it meets the 83? If you were coming down on 83 uh-huh. and you take 695 yeah. west, right, a lot yeah. of cars will use that rightmost lane, which is going to take you into an exit, right? It's an exit-only lane, but it's a long uh-huh. exit-only lane, right? Very long, um, yeah. A lot of cars will use that rightmost exit-only lane to do exactly what we're talking about, though, right? Because a lot of times at 695, it's, oh, it's full of traffic. Move. So when they come off oh, 83 Jesus. and merge on a 695, they stay in that rightmost lane. But, yeah. but people and then use, they stop. it's supposed to be an exit-only lane. So, right. So they'll stop at some point. A lot of people will stop right before it's a f- it's an actual exit, right? Where they're forced to yeah. exit. And then they stop and then, like, they block the exit. And then as they're waiting for someone to, like, let them in, you know? So yeah. what do you think about that? I appreciate what they're trying to do, but I'll tell you what, I've done that kind of maneuver before and you gotta, you gotta lay in the bed that you, you made for yourself. All right. If you, if you try to pull a power move like that and you can't get back over, you take the exit. That's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) do. I'll be completely candid with you. I'm taking that gamble and I'm like, no, (laughs) I'm not going to do this to everybody else because I miss gambled yeah no i have to learn my lesson i'm glad you say that because i'm the guy (laughs) who actually exits right and when i come off 83 i actually exit in that first exit because that's that's how i get it to my house right i take the bypass Mm -hmm. right the towson bypass sure so i'm always so frustrated i see these guys i'm trying to go as fast as i can 
to this exit and constantly it's not even that the last moment possible but it's like constantly it's like i'd have to like go through five cars at least that are using this lane and that has to slow down stop trying to merge over and i'm just sitting behind them and it's like i pass one one's finally done merged over and then (laughs) next car same thing right and then i get to the exit uh, that's just trying to use your resources it's trying to be economical i get it you know my grandfather this one cracked me up wall-to-wall traffic and he uses the shoulder right he uses the shoulder to pass the traffic and he gets pulled over by a cop and he says officer isn't the shoulder supposed to be used in a case of emergency and the officer's <laughs> like yes <laughs> he's like this traffic's an emergency <laughs> i see he's i like, see I where you get, get it ar- from <laughs> he's like i had to get around it <laughs> oh my god <laughs> brilliant oh man i was i was tickled pink by that story it it was extremely him he was also the same guy who didn't want to use he didn't want to use his brakes unless he had to because he knew like he was wasting energy using brakes well wait, wearing down the brake pads too but yeah he was slow drift into a light <laughs> The man, the man wishes he had a Tesla. I feel like he was born to drive a Tesla. He was born to buy. Yeah, that's right. With that's the so uh, regenerative braking. <laughs> oh yeah, he had been all over it. He really would have. Yeah, I, I actually, um, one of my like things I'd like to do is in the city. There's actually a lot of steep hills, and I've identified these hills, and I frequently have to stop on said hill, and I kind of know where I roughly I can like lay off the pedal, and I'll just like gradually come to a natural stop not pressing any anything and my car will just like sit there on this hill (laughs) you mean without Um, even like pressing the brake right and i'll come like right to the edge you know that's just freaking dangerous right some guy rear ends you you're gonna fly into the car in front of you i understand that (laughs) and uh yeah yeah, you should use yeah, the brakes. I, I, maybe I should use the brake. <laughs> I, 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 I've, I I've always been aware of that, but it's so much fun, June, <laughs> to try to perfectly time it. Yeah, I mean, I guess once I've uh, achieved my goal, I can, I can hit the brake or something. Yes. <laughs> well, I, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I also don't know how good it is on like the drivetrain to be doing that. Uh, so I, I do usually use the brake after I've achieved my goal. Sometimes I just sit there like that, but usually mm. I, I hit the brake. Well, when I used to drive stick, right, a lot of people will do what's called, um, they downshift and use the clutch to slow themselves down. Um, yeah. And the Mazda does that in sport mode, if you didn't know that. Now, that's all nice and, and set. And in an automatic, sure. And automatics are smooth as hell. But when you're driving a stick and you don't know how to rev match properly, and you, you are putting so much wear and tear on that clutch, I think. Like, I would much rather have someone Mm. who's a beginner, who hasn't quite learned how to rev match, to not do that, and just use the brakes. Just throw yourself in neutral if you want to, and then use Mm. the brakes. Wear your brakes. They're not that expensive. Replacing your brake pad, eh. You can do it yourself, and it's not expensive. You know what I mean? So, I would... not that bad. But if you wear down a clutch, oh, that's... That costs a pretty penny. Yeah, actually, I've noticed that if you're in sport mode... The Mazda, if you engage the brake, will engine brake and brake at the same time. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So, anyways, one other, one last thing that drives me crazy are just slow drivers in general. People who drive like under, like ten under the speed limit, like on York Road in the mornings. I don't, I don't get it. And then, especially when I have two lanes and both cars are side to side doing this, I always feel like they're out to get me. You know what I mean? Like they're they're purposely like blocking me in. And I'm like, yeah. I can't get around you guys. You you guys suck. And those, <laughs> Well, those. I think another thing that bothers me is I hate artificial traffic because I know how traffic happens. And I know why it lingers. And I'm like, guys, if we just like accelerate through this, it'd be fine. Right, right, Everyone's right, right. always You're, riding their brake. That's actually when, right, not using the brake is actually a good idea. So you don't go bumper to bumper to the guy and slam on your brake when they slam on their brake. No, you leave a good distance and just don't break and you will naturally like ease out the caterpillar effect is kind of like what i think of right. you know if you ever look at how traffic works from a, from like a bird's eye view it looks like a caterpillar mm-hmm. but yeah i i think it's just like 
it's it's kind of stupid yeah and all it takes to build up traffic is enough cars on the freeway you can have a perfectly free-flowing freeway with a lot of cars and it just takes one guy to slam on their brake and all of a sudden traffic and that thing i know like for hours that thing that yeah (laughs) and it propagates it's awful the guy yeah uh, yeah, it's so bad yeah watch cgp grays it's gonna be in the show notes uh video about (laughs) traffic yeah so that oh one other thing um just in general when you're driving people using on the highway people using the leftmost lane not as a passing lane drives you crazy mm-hmm. yes if yep. you are i feel like there are like unspoken rules that everybody should know if you are not passing or if there is someone behind you going even faster get the f- hell out of the left lane you know do not stay <laughs> in the left lane it's just i feel like it's a rule that a lot of people just don't know you know and so basically our number one thing all our pet peeves are just people breaking rules that are causing traffic <laughs> slowing down everything and it's just if we actually follow the rules the world would be well a better place. yeah and the funny thing <laughs> is the segue into into tailgating is that i don't mind people tailgating because if you are tailgated it means you're in the wrong lane get out of that lane right go right aha switch to the right mm-hmm. lane like there is actually a point to tailgating and i kind of get it it's a communication tactic right right like and and people who hate tailgating you're just kind of i don't know i feel like they're just sort of like self-righteous people who aren't getting these fundamental rules <laughs> of which lanes you should be in i try to avoid the left lane as well sometimes i i sit in it but i, I make sure i'm always moving if i am you know and if someone is behind me I get out of the way. Yeah. I mean, you gotta, you gotta use the lane. You also yeah. want to avoid using it, but I always try to, I always try to be the, the fastest guy on the road. <laughs> well, same. I'm typically in the left. If I know there's like just a lot of slow cars coming up, but if there's a yeah. guy, you know, hauling ass behind me, I'm, I'm moving over. Oh yeah. Yeah. I never, I never feel like I'm going egregious. I just always making sure I'm going as fast as is deemed acceptable on the road. Well, I don't yeah. believe in speed limits. I always, yeah, I don't believe in <laughs> speed limits either. What I do believe is speed of traffic. And then I, yep. you can always gauge what the speed of traffic is. And I always go just a little bit above that. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. one or two miles per hour faster than that. And you're like steadily passing cars. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Over, over a minute or two. Yeah. So that, that's basically where I like to live. And I feel like cops too, if you're just... Right, like you said, a few miles over, like, the speed of traffic, cops aren't going to pull you over for that. You'd still be blending in just just as easily to the rest of the flow of traffic. Yeah, you won't be singled out. You might get uh, an unlucky one. I got the unlucky one once. Well, yeah. Where everyone's going the same speed, and they just, like, (laughs) like, they chose me. It was my lucky day. Yeah. Yeah. I I told the guy that, too. He's like, why did you get pulled over? I'm like, last day of the month, I was unlucky. Yeah, Yeah, that'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) he he didn't appreciate me i didn't appreciate him it was just it was mutual and i would much rather pay more in taxes every year than deal with these stupid stupid speeding violations that aren't actual violations like they're not doing anything they're not improving anything they're just ruining people's days um i much rather pay a fee that's interesting all right well you want to get into tips i got i got a couple tips here use public transportation (laughs) <laughs> if at all possible and yeah. it doesn't suck yeah you really should yeah it's it's, it's great it's very yeah. passive you can do other things yeah it's very environmentally friendly now tips about driving though specifically so i will say when you have side view mirrors i think most people do not know how to adjust their side view mirrors i don't think i think oh. the majority of people have it in the completely wrong angle there's two angles, right? I mean, it matters how you look at it. The, like, there's like the enhanced view and the more traditional view. I'm curious to see where you where you lie. Okay, I've never given them names, but I I think I might know what you mean by the two of those names. So most people, I would imagine, were taught, and th- and this is how I was taught to adjust your side view mirror: is you start by angling the side view mirror aggressively toward inwards towards yourself, right? And so, so that when you look, for example, in the left mirror you'll see the body of the car like a good amount of the body of the car and then what they tell right. you is all right now slowly angle it back outwards again until you get to a point where you just don't you you've just stopped seeing your car your own car 
And then they're yep. like, stop. And then that's it. Guess what? That's the traditional method. Yeah, that is way too inwards still. You are still, you still have a huge blind spot. And basically, if you actually look at, it's easier like to, to draw this out, to see a little diagram with the angles of the mirrors. But you need to actually angle it much further out so that you you have to be uncomfortably like once you're at the point where they normally say to stop right what i just said just when you stop seeing your bot the body of your car keep going keep going another like three seconds of hitting that freaking button you know <laughs> like it needs to go way out and and that's the true for both sides right and then to the point where this is how i tell i look at the rear view mirror i see my in my rear view mirror where the sides end I better be able to see the bare, smallest bit of overlap in the side view mirrors begin. You see what I'm saying? You follow me here? So basically you form a continuous panorama between the side view mirrors and your and your rear view mirror. And that is supposed to be the quote unquote like proper method. I guess maybe it depends on who you ask, but for me, I, I do not have a single blind spot in that. I always drove with the habit of like always looking over my shoulder before I, you know, I switch lanes. And ever since I've adjusted uh, my mirrors in this way, every time I looked over my shoulder, I can always see. I've never had a moment where I look in the rear view mirror or side view mirror. I don't see a car, but if I turn my shoulder, oh, there's a car. You know what I mean? That's there in your blind spot. And that has never happened ever since I've adjusted my mirrors this way. I'll always either see the car in my side view mirror or they're just not there, right? So basically, I would say this, though. So your method... You get more visual, you see more things, right? You can you see a larger frame of view. However, there's no duplicity, really, in your view. All the mirrors serve a purpose for specific angles, and there's no duplicity. Yes, you get the greatest coverage. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you and say, but do you need all that extra coverage, and is it worth having duplicity in the most important region of the uh you know immediate lanes to your left and right i think it is just for covering that blind spot i've had so many like near near misses because well i haven't actually fortunately had that many but like a few times you know i i start turning like switching lanes and i'm like oh my god there's a car there i did not see it in my you know side view mirror and even sometimes looking over the shoulder Maybe the beam, right? The the beam between my doors is blocking the car or something yeah. like that, and and I just didn't see it. Or you did like the, you did the head fake. You looked, and then you realized you didn't really process that look. <laughs> yeah. I've done that once. I'll yeah. be honest, and I and it scared the shit out of me. Luckily, like nothing happened, but um, you know, you do like a little a little oop, a little whoop, and then yeah, <laughs> you're like, oh shit! Exactly. I literally just did a, like a check, and I didn't see you yep. so unless you just aggressively came into that spot like yep my apologies <laughs> i don't even know how you got there. I, yeah i definitely think it's worth it just for covering all of my blind spots so i try i used that method before because I, I i saw the enhanced method i used it i didn't like it i ended up returning back to the the traditional method i'll be honest and that's because i figured the extra things i was able to see weren't as important as uh doubling up on the areas but i'll try it again i'm curious though how many people who do the enhanced method, if like if everyone switched to that, if there'd be like a lot of accidents all of a sudden because people aren't used to all of those uh, those differences? I don't know if there'd be such an increase in, in accidents. I mean, it wasn't that hard for me to adjust to, and like I think I I think Carolina, I sort of got her on board too to use this method. But I mean, you get used to saying, well, if I want to see directly behind me, I use the rearview mirrors, and if I want to see it off to the sides. I use my side view mirror. You kind of already naturally do that anyways, so that's not a problem. Another tip I would say is, and this is something I've recently started doing, mostly out of paranoia for my new car <laughs> and like not getting anybody like dinging, the, you know, slamming their door into my car, is that when I park now, whether it's work or, or at the mall or whatever, I park far away and I find I try to minimize my adjacent cars minimize adjacent spots that means parking at an end spot right or a corner spot is ideal for me like if i can get a spot where i will only have at most one car adjacent to me i love that like if i can get a spot for that i I take that spot and if it's far away even better because there likely won't be a car next to me at all so 
that for me, like if you're, if you're someone who's like paranoid about cars and especially some parking lots where the parking spots are really tight and, you know, you don't want dings on your cars, I feel like that's a way to go. So I was brought up that way and I used to think that was nice because I like keeping my car nice. But once I had a little ding, man, it was like ripping off the bandaid. Felt great. <laughs> I was like, I'll park anywhere. I don't care. And you I, start I started a using my car. To your door. Just to, <laughs> I just, just started using my car as a utility device. <laughs> I tell you, I, I used to be the exact same way, and I always try to like do that. And sometimes I still do that just to keep it nice. If it's not less convenient, really. But I will say, I've stopped caring. I, I look at my car as this is a tool to get me from point A to point B. I don't care if it loses like a little bit of value because of whatever's. I used it. It's all right. And I don't think my car looks particularly bad or anything. I'm just saying. Yeah, it, it depends on, I just, it depends I got, on your been car. I've worn down, man. Right. It depends on your car and your relationship to your car. I mean, you're right. Like, if you just see it as a tool, you don't really care much about the aesthetics. Yeah, sure. Um, or if I mean, I do, already- though. I do care, but it's just like the, the overall burden and the worrying and all that. I just like it's more worth it to me just to park wherever. Because I think I think your your risk is actually I think you're just as high at risk or like not. I don't think you're actually impacting your risk much. And the reason why is you can't control what happens after you've parked. Right. And people can park next to you at that point. Other things can happen. I feel like you're only decreasing your very small percentage, just a little bit less. So I feel like it's not that that I, I, I don't think I agree with that. I think you significantly reduce your risk. In my office, for example, we have small spots, small spaces, right? Cars that park right next to each other up towards the front, which is where everybody wants to park, they get dinged up all the time. I see it. I will see it when I'm like walking. It's because everyone my at car. your workplace is overworked. <laughs> they can't even see anymore. They op- they swing open their doors and they're like, ah, shit. No, well, they don't even I'm say, ah, oh, shit. They just swing I, open their I, door. <laughs> I can hear it. I hear it and see this guy just swing over their door and then it hits the car next mm. over. And the guy doesn't even, fa- It's not. Even, he's not even phased, right? He's just like, he gets right in his no car phase. and drives on. And I'm like, good Lord. You know, it's like such yeah, haphazard baby. behavior. And so, anyways, I park way out the back. Seems like you need a job. <laughs> when you park in the back, <laughs> here's the other thing, too, is you know the other type of people who park in the back with you are people like yourself. And they're not going to ding your door. They're not going to, like, you know, That's like fair. a crazy That's person fair. swing their doors wide open. So, I, I really think it significantly reduces it. Another piece of it is another kind of related tip is that don't park next to the uh if you're grocery shopping do not park near the shopping cart retriever the, the, the returns yeah. yeah shopping cart returns do yeah. not park near there so those things are crazy people are like 50 feet away and they they think they're like <laughs> playing basketball and they try to like <laughs> shove say, the cart to the cart return you know <laughs> oh my god it's so bad and some yeah. of them will be angled you know and the cart will literally just roll right out of the car return oh, or the cart return it's yeah. uh all right, Jude, I want to ask you about where you hold your hands on the steering wheel. I think I have a, a traditional hold on the steering wheel, so that's why I want to ask you. What do you mean a traditional? Like non-traditional? I got yelled at by my driving teacher, but I continued it anyways. So, okay, what? Okay, before we get into like what you do... We're going to use clock I'm hands, curious, right? I'm curious what you were taught, because I was taught in Texas, and you probably learned in Maryland. I was taught a nine and three. You're supposed to be right on the edge on the sides. You're not supposed to be 10 and 2 because when the airbag goes, it would like blow off your arms. So the, the 9 and 3 is what I'm, is my understanding. Slightly below, maybe like 8.30, 3.30, you know what I mean? But yeah. So, all right. It's funny that you say I've heard the whole airbag argument before, but if you think about your arm as these long sticks going outwards to a circle it really matters mm-hmm. not where the hell your arm is if that airbag goes. You know what I mean? It has the same <laughs> amount of possibility to popping your arms at nine and three as it is ten and two. Like it, it, it's your it's your arm. It's in front of you. It's I, not- I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I hear you. So, so where, where do you put your hands? So I've never done nine and three because i feel so uncomfortable but that was always that, that's actually what i was taught as well though but i do remember one like instructor in my one of my tests the only instructor ever to say something different than nine and three he basically was like eight and four 
you're you're sort of ang- you're sort of holding at the bottom of the steering wheel and mm-hmm. and he was like a that's more comfortable you're and it's less strain on your arms and your muscles when you drive like that mm-hmm. he thinks that actually is supposed to be more of a safer way to like prevent your your arm being damaged because when you're holding it that way your elbows are actually bent outwards more so if the airbag does go off that's the only case i will say like if the airbag will go off it has you know what i mean like your arm is bent out back outwards it's not a straight yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not a straight so the airbag coming out when it's filling up it has less of a chance to pop your your elbows so I kind of get that, and I, and I've been doing that a lot because I feel like this is more comfortable. So I I actually alternate between that and and uh, ten and two. What about you? All right, I'm almost exclusively. I would even say I'm even more aggressive. I think I'm a five and seven kind of guy. I am barely holding that wheel, you know, <laughs> hands on my lap, just tickling my <laughs> I wheel. You're gonna say I'm a <laughs> six. That's it. One one pinky <laughs> on <What>? six. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a I'm like a four and eight, five and seven. I'm just I'm whatever it takes for me to have my hands on my laps, my elbows on my laps, or whatever. Just like barely holding the wheel, doing my maneuvers. See, yeah, and I think it's a great spot because you have so much turning radius. You're ready. Yeah, you have the whole turning radius. That's a good point. Yep, yep. You can make a wide turn without without needing to shift your hands. And it's so comfortable. It has to be. It has to be the best. And and now that I'm gimpy over here with only one arm, you know, when I was only driving really with one arm, candidly, like I could use it in a a pinch, but I was trying not to. My left arm, I could hook a left, no problem, because I I grip from the bottom, and I'm always there anyways. Now here's the thing. My my hand motions have changed a lot since going to an automatic. When I used to drive stick, right, my hands were always on the. Well, they weren't never never touching the stick because you're not supposed to touch your your stick if you're not actually about to shift. And there are reasons for that which I will not go into. But my hands were my right hand was always sort of ready. You know, it was like ready to shift, so it was never touching the wheel, or sometimes touching the wheel. And so if I wanted the most control, but guess what, my blinkers are in one spot in the fixed location. And if I need to be able to use my blinkers while holding onto the wheel, my hand, my left hand is sort of necessarily forced at either the nine or the 10 position. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. usually when I was driving stick, that's usually how, how I was holding the steering wheel. Do you cross your hands or do you shuffle the wheel between them? The hell do you mean? Huh? Do I cross my yeah, hands? I'll, I'll demonstrate. Like when you, you oh, pass when, the wheel. When I'm turning, you go like this or you go like, eh, 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 eh. okay, all right, I got you. <laughs> I mean, you don't. Yeah, you, you look like you're squeegeeing over there. I don't think it has to be that little 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 maneuvers. But yeah, yeah, I'm, that's all. I do not cross. I'm a I'm a I'm a shift. I wonder if that's because of the material of my steering wheel, which is you know leather and it's like perforated leather in certain some parts of it. So it slides. It has like the perfect balance of grip, but and like slipperiness, so that. If I was turning and I just slightly let go, the thing will just smoothly, you know, glide over. And so for me, when I turn, yeah, I don't, I don't do the whole cross handover and then grip it and then turn again. I don't, yeah, I don't do that. Most of the time, my hands are actually still on the bottom. Like again, they're still like like eight and four, or like you sometimes a little more aggressively, like seven and five. And I'm kind of just like shuffling it, like you were saying. What was the verb you were saying? Yeah, yeah shuffling. I think. Yeah, shuffling it. And my hands remain on the bottom. And that's probably, for me, like where it is most comfortable. If I have to do a wide turn, yeah, sure. I will swing it all the way over with one one hand. I usually do a pass-off. Yeah. I, I seldom cross. I think, I think part of that is just like wheels nowadays, steering wheels, don't require that much turning radius. Or that's not the right word. It doesn't require as much turning in general to make turns. I think before mm-hmm. you, yeah, you were you, you Four see power old steering. movies, yeah, exactly. You see guys like ooh, like going over freaking making <laughs> like five revolutions just to make a right turn. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like ninety degree turn. Yeah, I don't think we our our steering systems don't really need that anymore. You know, you you really don't have to ever do an entire revolution. So I see that you had high beams on here. What do you want to discuss about the well, high beams? I'm curious, what are your habits of using the high beam? Maybe you never use the high beam. If you do, when do you use it? Are there any, like, rules of using the high beam? I mean, 
Yes, sir. Uh, I I use the high beam occasionally, uh, not that frequently. Usually, if it's just extremely dark out and uh, it's pretty de- uh, isolated, the area, and you know, you engage the high beam. But I am the kind of guy who, unless it's like extremely unpopulated, if I ever use the high beam, I'm using it in the I'm holding it here position, and then immediately if I see any kind of car coming the other way, I turn it off. Okay. Um. And I seldom, I seldom have it in the locked and loaded position. Yeah. So you have it because I'm the, trying to be responsible about yeah, it. Yeah. I see. You're saying you have it in the position where you're like pulling it towards you, but as soon as you let go, it goes back, right? And the high beam turns off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like okay. I'm, I physically have to hold it there. Yeah. 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 Otherwise, it's that going way, to that way you don't go back forget, to the rest of right? spot. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's exactly. what I hate too. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and I actually, I really wish I had, like, the adaptive high beams. I feel like that's a really nice luxury feature, um, just because then you get the best of both worlds. But I don't, I don't think, so. Now, I wonder how adaptive high beams, how effective they really are, though. I know, me too. And I feel like that is something I don't want to fail, because it can cause accidents, so. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I definitely am a little hesitant about it as well. I have the same thoughts. Well, chalk that up to a pet peeve, too. Just, like, people, like who use high beams constantly. I mean, it could be like dusk. Suns hasn't even set yet, <laughs> and they're full-on high beaming behind you. That I find so annoying. Sometimes I wonder if my like dimming mirror is working properly. <laughs> See the auto-dimming mirrors? Yeah. yeah. Oh, actually, a quick, quick story about that. So for a while, I thought my auto-dimming was broken, right? Because it took. I noticed it took a lot of cars behind me. Like sometimes when I'm on the highway at night and there are a lot of cars behind me to have the thing actually start dimming. But most of the time, if one car was directly behind me, it wasn't dimming. And I was like, this is crazy. What's going on? And you know what it was? No. And it's like the silliest thing. The center headrest was elevated. It was raised. Uh, and it was yeah. raised in just the perfect spot that it was blocking. It was like the, it was like the moon in an eclipse. You know, it was blocking the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the uh, beam of light that goes into the little sensor, the front sensor sure. of your rear view mirror. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. the, that sensor wasn't getting any light. And thus, it doesn't trigger the actual dimming. Because as soon as I put that damn headrest down, because one day I just was like, why is this not? And then I literally see that headrest and I was like, oh my God, put that thing down and then it it works now. And I'm like, oh, I can't believe it. And and of course, like I drive such a low profile car, you know, (laughs) that my like Mm. I don't get that much ability for light from behind me to even get in anyways <laughs> so i have a very slanted <laughs> very slanted uh rear rear window pane i guess so that was kind of interesting but yeah auto dimming oh man that's a nice feature it is yeah my my car has it wasn't something i actively looked for and yeah it's pretty nice yeah and i didn't know how much i missed it until i got my previous car which didn't have one and you had to do the whole like flippy thing right and all it is, is i almost just like, never did the flippy thing oh really yeah i i just i just did it i just lived would live with it really wow yeah no, I, it wasn't that to. big of a deal so actually i didn't like the dimming at first because i felt like i couldn't see anything you know it's so well, dim you, you can well, only you see can't, the lights. right that's the whole point you can't what it is what it's like doing is literally shifting the mirror upwards and so you're, yeah. you're looking at like you're basically looking at your roof right the hood the roof of your car but because of some weird light reflection, you can still see headlights if there are headlights behind you. So you're not actually mm-hmm. looking at the road behind you. So I don't know. It's it's like bizarre how it works. But but yeah, you, the whole point is, yeah, you, you're not actually able to see anything behind you. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of it, candidly. I, 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 I At first, I wasn't. I The dimming, the way the one dimming works, it, it's not too bad. But Actually, it's not on our notes, but... What other kind of like bells and whistles do you like in your car or a car in general, even if you don't have it? Heating seats are nice in these wintry times. I recently noticed that the 2018, at least Mazda three hatch, which I have now offers heated steering wheels. They didn't offer it when I bought it. I was like, oh, that'd be so nice. I feel like that's one of those, like, I don't think I, I don't think it's really that nice. But I've never until like, but that's because I've never had one. Mm. If you've never used a smartphone in your life, you'd think like, what's a big deal about a smartphone, right? And then you use it, and you're like, oh my god. Well, do you use gloves frequently? So right, so that's a good point. I'm I, an infrequent glove user. 
I use my gloves quite frequently. If it's, I mean, if it's cold so then, outside, yeah. yeah, maybe that's not your. See, I, I am a big believer in as little clothing as possible when it comes to keeping warm. So I just try to wear enough clothing that I don't freeze in the brief times I'm outside. <laughs> I'm very seldom like gearing up for a very long time outside, you know? Yeah. I, a lot of times though, I take off my gloves as soon as I'm in my car and I'll drive without my c- gloves. And like my steering wheel isn't like do you a put block- it in the glove compartment. Where do you put it? <laughs> no, I don't put it. I, everything but my gloves go in the glove compartment. I know right. they just go in my like jacket pocket. It's not a, it's not a big deal. See, but then you have the bloated jacket pockets. I'm not about it. Uh, why is that a problem? It's just not ideal. You just push it back on you. I don't, know, I don't need all that. Well, it's extra fluff against the uh, the seatbelt. <laughs> well, anyways, you know, the steering wheel, isn't, it's, it's not a block of ice. You know, I'm never, like, uncomfortable gripping it with my bare hands. So, I, I guess I just kind of think of it as, like, hmm, would it really be that much better? Now, heated seats, I will agree. Like, on those crazy cold days where it feels like no matter how many layers of pants I'm wearing, like, it's, it's I feel like I'm butt naked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, heated seats. Ooh, those are nice. I do wish they heat up faster, though. And you know what I do? I set it to the highest setting for the, and then until mm-hmm. my butt starts getting hot, and then I turn it down to the low setting, to lowest so setting. Too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I really like the blind spot detectors. And, like, if you turn on the turn signal, it'll dee dee at you yeah. when there's a car there. Yeah. I like that. Even though I usually don't like chatty things, yeah. I like that. My favorite one is not, like I said, having having lived in the new, uh, new method of mirror positioning, I don't need that anymore. <laughs> I, I sound like a snob, but... Um, but June the, sound like a snob but, never. But I do really <laughs> miss the one I had, which is the rear traffic cross when you're in reverse and it gets it gets oh, a yeah, car coming nice across one. traffic. Because like if I'm just looking at the backup camera, it usually doesn't pick up it's not wide enough of an angle to pick up a car that's coming up that's driving across. Sure. And yeah. and if I'm looking at my rear backup camera, I'm usually not looking side to side. So having the little DDD to notice like the rear traffic or the cross traffic is amazing. That's the thing I don't have yeah. on my Stinger, and I really miss it. Rear view, uh, the the backup camera, fantastic, fantastic, marvelous addition. Not just for backing up, but for a performing spot, like getting in spots that no mere mortal could do before. But with the backup camera, you can do it. You mean like? Reverse parking? Like parallel parking. Oh, parallel parking. Really? You think parallel parking of rear mirror, mirror helps? Hmm. With the... With, no, not rear oh, the, the camera. Oh, because Because you can get saying, impossibly close. Yeah, I see You can get mean. impossibly I close. I see And then you, you can pull up. Yeah. All right, I can super see nice. that. I can see that. As someone who parallel parks every single day, it's super nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, all right. I can see that. I, I think I guess I thought you meant just like in terms of the motions. For me, the motions I've got that down in terms of muscle memory. You know what I mean? Like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. like how no, far to turn and then to turn back. Like I that I don't even I could probably do blindfolded. But you're right. Just to know how far back I can get to the car behind me, that would be yeah, that's super handy to have a backup camera. I mean, yep, speaking yep, yep. speaking of backup cameras though, aren't those pretty much standard now on all the cars? They have to be. They're mandatory. Yeah. No kidding. They're mandatory now. They are. Oh, interesting. You know what should be mandatory? Can I take a, a brief aside? Huh. How dare, how dare they make new cars with steel wheels and hubcaps? It is ridiculous to do that. You shouldn't be buying a new car <laughs> with steel wheels and hubcaps. Why is that so you bad? Exclusively, because they're so heavy. They're super heavy. They look bad. Like, it's terrible. Okay. Are they that much heavier than alloy wheels? Oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah, they're heavier. You get, like, worse fuel economy because of it. And uh, there's just no excuses. No one should be buying a new car and not have Magnums, you know? I mean, it's, more, <laughs> it's more expensive, like, right? <laughs> alloy yeah, wheels but are more you should, expensive. Like, right. Yeah, alloy wheels are more expensive. But guess what? You can save money by not getting a new car. I, I just don't see the argument, right? Like, even... Like, usually the one package above the base of the cheapest car no longer has steel wheels, is what I'm getting at. So, like, there's no reason for them to exist. I understand that they want to have cheap new cars, but no one that's buying a cheap new car should be buying a new car, in my opinion. Uh, 
Yeah, I th- I think I do see it a lot less for sure. You do see you do see trims. it a lot less. Yeah. The new God. trims, like yeah. you said, like yeah, you go up to the second trim, and usually a lot of them, I think, even the standard trim, base trim will have yeah, no, uh, it, it, alloy we're wheels. We're getting away from this world, this dystopian world where we have steel wheels. I mean, we got to move but, on. No, but the funny thing <laughs> is, I still can't get past the weight thing because I've I've rotated Carolina's car wheels the other day, right? I have very recent memory of how much those wheels weigh. And those are alloy wheels. Those are big wheels, too, on an SUV. I have, like, a vague memory of replacing a uh, replacing a wheel in my old Camry, which had steel wheels and a hubcap. The, the alloys are 40% lighter than steel. Are you just looking up generic alloy versus steel, though? Yeah, I'm, I'm reading about it. You may be right, but I feel like the tire itself weighs so damn much that... I don't know. I feel like, to me, they're just all heavy. <laughs> like, alloy steel, it's just heavy. And, I don't know. It's not like carbon fiber or anything. But that's that's an interesting pet peeve you have, though. I just think, my whole thing is, like, you know how, like, all the features, like, propagate down the line, but they still keep a few really cheap features around, you know, keep costs down? That one, I just think, is unacceptable. They just, they don't even look good. Ugh. Well, that's the big part. They don't look good. Yeah. I think the only reason they exist is to push you up a level. I really do. They, they're trying to make the crappiest... Ver- they don't want you to buy that car. They, <laughs> they're making it as unappealing as possible. But they want to have that low entry point so that people consider right. that, that thing. I bet right. you that's what it it's, is. It's one other... Disgusting sales time. It's one other, one other thing that a higher trim has that the low trim does not. So it's another thing that they can write right in the f- features when you're comparing the trims they can say "Ooh, like 17 inch alloy wheels right if if they were all standard mm. across all trims they wouldn't be able to put that there you know well, they can just yeah. say a bigger wheel <laughs> sure but whatever i know i i understand why they put them there but i just think there's no reason for them to exist yeah do you think um based on atp's recent episode about if you know wide rims are good and how I think their response was basically it depends on where you live, right? If you live in an area with potholes are too frequent. Yeah. I have low pro- profile rims and I've had, I guess, slightly more issues than normal. I got to say, though, it looks way nicer. So I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even have a choice. Mine, mine had to come with 19-inch rims. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually getting more and more common where it's hard to get away from them. Particularly, at, I guess, nicer uh, trims levels and stuff. Well, especially so. sedans, right? You get an SUV yeah. and you can kind of get away with more rubber. But I feel like sedans nowadays are just, eh. But I don't, I was just, I asked that because I feel like Maryland's not that bad. Some of the roads are, uh, you know, pretty bad, but. Roads higher up in the north, like other states yeah. are worse. Yeah. Because they salt them and. Exactly. Yeah, all that crap more. And yeah. freeze over and thaw and freeze over and thaw. Yeah, they break crazy. Yeah, but. Ah, uh, Yeah. Here, I don't know, have a notice. I don't think it's that bad. So any other uh, pieces you want to talk about? I think it's been a riveting conversation. <laughs> yeah. I did have another question for you. How about just like learning stick? Did you ever or do you ever think you'd want to like drive a stick shift car? I'd love to do it. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'd be able to pull it off pretty quickly because I understand the concepts. I've done enough racing games. <laughs> <laughs> So I, with I, the clutch? I actually, I've always, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I used to have the wheel. Does it come I got with that for a Christmas clutch? One year. It comes with a clutch. Oh yeah, dude. It had three, oh. it had three, yeah, three I pedals. Thought those those were whole, like, you know, whole I always thought those were like, you know, pedal had little pedal yeah, yeah, yeah. shifters. Yeah. You could, you could, but, but it had not, a clutch not the one as well. The one I had had a clutch too. Oh my God. And if you pop the clutch too early, the whole, the, your car lurks in the, in a video game. <laughs> <laughs> it actually throws you out of the, out of the seat. <laughs> it was pretty cool though. And, I've never had an opportunity to drive a, a stick, and I'm not really, I don't know. I'm in no rush. I probably will never happen. I don't know. It'd have to just be like someone offering one day that has a stick and be like, hey, you want to drive it? And I'll be like... But you don't think you'd ever uh, own, You don't think you'd ever own one, I guess. is No, I yeah. don't have any reason to own one. I, I, I'm 100% in the automatic life. I think the next time I buy a car is going to be electric or not at all. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just not expecting that to be a thing. I think that's where a, a lot of, yeah, a lot of my work friends, just friends in general, were kind of surprised I got an automatic. And I think my best explanation is just like, 
it's time for me to move on, basically. <laughs> it limits your options a lot. It limits my options. It's less fuel efficient nowadays compared to automatics. Yep. It's, I, there's no way I can shift as fast as an automatic. I don't get as many gears as an automatic. So yeah, there was just like, not really. And, and like you said, like in the future, I can, I can also see myself getting an electric car or not a car at all. Right. So I feel like, yeah, why, why bother? And then nowadays, like, there are a lot of good automatic transmissions there. Like my car, Stinger, really good eight-speed. And if you get into performance car territory, then you get into dual clutches that are just, like, oh, yeah. phenomenally smooth and quick. And, like, there's no way a, a, a manual transmission could compete with that. It, it's like right. it's like light speed versus a snail, you know? It's, like... <laughs> it's super cool. Yeah, so I feel like... That's just, that's where the technology is going. So I'll follow it. But I got to say, there is, there's nothing to replace the feeling of like the close attachment you have with your car when you control it, when you control it yeah. to that degree with the clutch, with the stick, you know, you're, yeah, just being able to control the, the RPMs, the, you have such a closer connection to the engine. It's just like when we make our coffee, we have like this really intimate relationship with the process. And we could just use, like, imagine you had, like, a really nice, like, robotic pour-over machine, right? Versus doing AeroPress or pour-over yourself. You lose some of the ritual and some of the interaction and tactileness yeah. of the process. But that's, and, and yeah. right. But that's not to say that you'll, you, there are very good espresso machines or, you know, coffee-making machines that can make just as good. But, yeah, you're right. It's, and it's, a lot of it is sort of, that's a pretty good analogy because, you can't control a lot of the factors. You're driving stick, you can really control exactly what you want to do. I mean, hell, you can blow your engine if you wanted to. Obviously, that's stupid, but it has it gives you the flexibility to do things like that. Whereas like automatic, yeah, you got to lose you got to like give away some of that control. So, I do want to go into one last topic, I think. What the heck is this, man? June joining Audi Club uh, dash drivers class? What's going yeah. on here, man? All right, so there's a coworker of mine who's really into cars. He's married, no kids, you know. He's another lead, makes good money, and, you know, and so he has nowhere to spend it but cars. So he has, like, oh, man, I lost count. I think he has three or four Audis, a bunch of other cars, too. He has a pretty good car collection. And anyways, he is part of this Audi club. He's actually an instructor. And so if you're in one of these clubs, this is like a BMW club, Porsche club. And I asked him, I was like, by the way, Audi, BMW clubs, you don't have to have an Audi or a BMW join the club. You bring your own car. It doesn't have to be like that brand. And the funny thing is though, apparently like, this is for my buddy. I, I don't know if it's true or not, but he says the only exception is the Porsche club because they're dicks. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have a Porsche. <laughs> but anyways, he says, um, yeah, they're, they're like, North America has like a big club, but they'll do a lot of classes in like tracks around the country. So like Virginia, I think West Virginia has this big track where they'll do like a driver's class, which is a one weekend course where you alternate between classroom time and track time. And you essentially get paired up with an instructor and you they start you easy, right? So if you've never done it before, like myself, you would be in like green or like the beginner, right? So level one or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so got a speed limit cap because of that. You can't, you know, you can't really pass other cars yet until, you know, you've gotten better, you have more time on the track, and then they, like, they give you more advance, they'll, they'll advance your um, level, and then you can do more stuff. So, I'd really want to try something like that. It's not that expensive. I was like, I told Car talked to Carolina about it, I was like, hey, you and your parents can watch the kids one weekend while I go <laughs> And I'm just like, come on, my car was, like, ready for the track, off the factory. Racing brakes, the, you know, the power, the, I was like, this thing is, like, hungry for like a track and and i feel like i take this thing 99 percent of the time i'm sitting in traffic with this thing you know what i mean i feel like yeah <laughs> i'm really under utilizing this machine that i have use it for its like built purpose is what i want to do so my one of my mentors at work he is into cars and he actually goes out and and races sometimes and goes on the track and stuff with his car it's a uh, audi actually <laughs> And he's like tuned it. I think he gets gets uh, a little more than three hundred, well over three hundred now to the wheel back wheels and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it sounds like a lot of fun. 
he drove us to uh, lunch the other day, and he and I was like, all right, I want to hear feel what it's like because he got it tuned and everything to get extra horsepower out of it. And uh, oh yeah, it it rocked and rolled down that uh, down that 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 road, and it was like rang a little bit, <laughs> just like woo. Oh nice. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of cars, or sorry, I should say, there's a lot of guys in my work right now who are really into cars. There's one guy, he's taken a BMW old BMW 3 Series, completely, like, modified it to, to hell, right? Like, you, you, the only thing that's still BMW is just the original chassis. The wheels, mm-hmm. the parts, all so many parts. Now, it's like a Frankenstein of parts, right? The engine is completely different. He put an engine in there that produces 600 plus horsepower. The guy is like drag racing this thing, you know, like he takes it to drag strips and like, I was like, oh my God. Okay. That's intense. And one other guy, he's no longer at this company, but I see him every now and then. And uh, we meet up for happy hour and stuff. And he tells me like his favorite thing now, cause he, he got a, a Subaru BRZ. And his favorite thing now mm-hmm. is when it rains, he will purposely go take exit ramps and just like drift in the rain on exit <laughs> ramps off of highways. And it's just like his favorite thing. It's like, this is awesome. Oh, what a guy. That sounds so dangerous, but so like, it sounds so fun though. <laughs> I'll have to link in the show notes as well that Marco of ATP fame and underscore, they both actually do a podcast called Under the Radar, but they did um, performance driving school BMW in North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, those are the famous ones. Those they give you a car, right? You you're driving yeah, your you M series. Different beamers. Yeah. 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 That sounds fun. Yeah. I looked into it. It's like three, two or three K for the weekend. And I'm like, oof. Yeah. And it probably doesn't include lodging. Yeah, it'd be fun, but it's it's expensive, so So these these are much more economical, right? Like this weekend driving. So first it's bring your own car. And the instructors, that by helps, the way, yeah. part part of the whole thing is that the instructor, if you want, you can let the instructor drive your car to get the handle of it. And then the instruct and the whole idea is for you to get to know your car, right? And to be able to drive your car better. I love that idea. Sure, I can go mm-hmm. learn how to drive on an M five, you know, around the track and have the like a thrill but at the end of the day i gotta go home to my like car and i'm like i still you know eh, right like <laughs> for me it's like i have a nice car now i'd love to be able to like know how to use it better and actually like use it for its purpose right you get yourself in trouble and all that house and traffic dude yeah <laughs> so yeah and i thought like ooh, what if i took my family now that would be fun they probably wouldn't let me like take, oh. put Gabe in the back seat, right? Like and just like run on the. Uh, I don't know. Gabe would like die of happiness though. He would have so much fun. Uh, you start calling you Lightning McQueen. 